Okay, ready? Yep. Uh, we're going to do three, two, one, clap, right? Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. Hey, I think you have the child lock on. I can't roll my window down. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, your mechanic. As always, dear listener, you're at the wheel. Make sure you've got plenty of snacks because today we're talking about kids. is from Franklin P. Jones. You can learn many things from children. How much patience you have, for instance. Last week, we talked about parenting and the role of parents. Today, we start the conversation about the role of children in your life. Deciding to have or adopt a child or not can happen in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's a conscious choice. Sometimes it just sneaks up on you. Sometimes it's a hope and it's never fulfilled. However it resolves, the rest of your life is going to be different. We're going to tackle this conversation in several parts, and we may not get to all of them today. We'll start with becoming a parent. Kim, how should couples manage the conversation about becoming parents? Well, the best path is really a conscious conversation. So sitting with each other and talking about what it means to be parents, uh, the parents that you each had growing up and the role of parents in your life and the role that you want to take in your children's life and how you want to parent together. You know, this happens sometimes where it's like, oh, we didn't have a conversation about this first, but you can still have a conversation about what it means to be a parent for both of you and getting on the same page as far as what does parenting mean? How are we going to address discipline? What do we want for our child going forward? And that conversation actually starts with yourself, thinking about who do you want to be as a parent? How will you wake up each day and interact with this child that you have chosen to bring into your life? That's an important aspect because regardless of what your partner does, you have to be aware of what you plan to do and how you hope the world will unfold in front of you. Can I back us up a little bit? Actually, this is sort of once you've made the decision to become a parent. But I, I actually thought the question was more about having the conversation about whether you wanted to become parents. Is that a different type of thing? Are there some different questions to ask there? Definitely. So if you're trying to figure out, do we want to have kids? That's a whole different thing. Kids are a very big commitment Ben, I think you can actually speak more to that than I can as far as the conversations you've had with Sarah about what having a kid means, since I don't have a partner that I would consider having a child with right now. But it's it's a conversation about what parts of our lives are going to change and how is that going to affect us as a couple. Kids become another part of your... Well, they become part of your family. You're, right. You're adding a family member. Right. Yes. Um, and you're adding a degree of complexity to your your relationship with, with whomever you're partnering with to create yeah. this kid. 
that's what I was trying yeah. to say. And yeah, I mean, I think the question is almost what area of your life isn't affected by by a kid? Because it seems like pretty much everything, personal time, time with your partner, money's a huge consideration, you know, how you're going to raise the kid, all your entire social life. It's a complicated choice. It is a complicated choice. And it, it still begins with a conversation you have with yourself about regardless of the partner that you have is the idea of having children in your life and caring for someone for at least 18 years and maybe much longer than that, is that something that you want to sign up for individually? Because until you're clear about that in your head, it's hard to have that conversation with a partner to say, how will we do this? Uh, That becomes even more complicated if you want to adopt because the adoption process all by itself is stressful. It begins with you making a decision for you that I want to be a parent. I mean, I can share with you all that by the time I was 16 years old, I had already decided I wanted to be a parent because I wanted to prove that I could do it better than mine. Bad reason, I think, to have kids, but that was definitely the reason. (laughs) I was going to say, in hindsight, do you feel like that was a good reason, a good motivation? um, I don't know if it was a good motivation, but it was certainly an excellent outcome for me. Nothing motivates Papa like trying to prove people wrong. (laughs) Well, you know, I I thought there was a better way than what I was experiencing. And I hope that I did that for the two of you. But that conversation begins with you, because if you don't take personal responsibility, there's no way for you to have a decent conversation with your partner about this. The next step then is talking with your partner about all the factors, Ben, that you brought up. You know, how will this affect our lives and are we willing to do this? Um, If you think taking care of a pet takes up a lot of time, wait till you have a mini human. Yeah, it turns out you can't just leave a mini human in a chair all day. Well, there were some orphanages that did that about 50 years ago. (laughs) Not very good outcomes. You think a, a, a child needs more than two walks and some food every day, probably. They, yeah. they need a little water as well. <laughs> a little water, sure. Yeah, well, you keep the bowl full, you know. Sure. And some bathroom and, and, breaks. <laughs> yeah, they need to kind of be hugged every once in a while, you know, and maybe talk to a little bit. Just like a pat on the head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if it were only all that easy. But, you know, this is a complex conversation to have with yourself and with your partner about what does it mean to bring another life into ours? And to recognize that that life will have its own trajectory regardless of what I want for that child. This is one of the most common parenting errors is that you know parents think that they can mold and shape their child into the thing that they want. And the reality is, is you need to discover the child that you get. And the child that you get may be very different than the one that you anticipated or wanted. I, I guess one of the things I was thinking about was in the intro, I sort of said there's a lot of different ways this decision can happen. Like sometimes it just sort of happens and other times you have a lot of very deliberate conversation about it, which is sort of what we're talking about. I feel like there's a category of things in your life. It's hard to know when you're ready or you will never be ready for them. You kind of decide that it's a thing you want to do and then you figure it out from there. And this feels like it falls into that category. And I don't think that's true for everyone or for every situation involving having kids. But at least in my experience, there's definitely a lot of 
I don't know if I want this. Oh, I think this would be really cool. No, I think this would be terrible. Just a lot of back and forth, a lot of thinking about it. And then, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. But it, it, it just falls. It's, it'll, I think it will end up for me being both a conscious choice and a sort of slow evolution of happenstance. <laughs> Well, and you're absolutely right. And we're talking about the conscious approach to having kids. For some folks, they are surprised that they're pregnant and this is happening. And that happens even with folks who understand the process of getting pregnant. Um, they can be surprised by a baby. <laughs> and then you have to decide, who, who do I want to be? How, how am I going to show up to this? And really, that's an individual choice. That's not a choice your partner makes for you. You have to decide what kind of parent you're going to be. And sometimes every day and sometimes like now in the quarantine, it's every hour. Who's the parent I want to be the next time I interact with these kids who are driving me crazy? I wish my upstairs neighbors knew what type of parent they wanted to be because good Lord. So, all right. So assuming that you and your partner have made the choice to have a child, once you either conceive that child or get approved for adoption or some other way of acquiring a child, what next? Well, it's a, there's a bunch of things that happen. Let's talk just for a half a second about the, the process. So you've decided uh, we want to be parents, but conception is not always straightforward and easy. Health, when you were in high school, talks about it as being super easy, but for some folks, it's not. And the process of getting pregnant can put a huge strain on the relationship and change physical intimacy from something that is joyous and connecting into a task like taking out the garbage, as some of the couples have reported it to me. Um, and that, that can really mess with your relationship. The process of getting to the stage where you're approved to adopt can be also arduous and incredibly time-consuming and very expensive and sometimes very difficult. In vitro uh, fertilization is an expensive process and doesn't work every time. So there are lots of stressors that go on even when you decide to conceive if conception is not particularly easy for you. And then you're told you're going to have a baby. You're pregnant. You've gotten past the, the first trimester. It's likely that you're going to take the baby to term. Everything is going great. Or you've been approved for adoption and it's moving forward and the, the child is ready. You're ready. The whole thing is going to happen. You know that's going to happen now and you have an identity change. You go from being who you are to now having a brand new role, this role of father or mother. And that comes with all of this baggage, all of this story from your own childhood about who your father or your mother was, about what their relationship was, about how they parented you. All of that comes into view, not just for how you see yourself, but for how you see your partner and what you expect from them as a co-parent. And this is true whether it's a same-sex marriage or if it's a heterosexual marriage, because the history we have of being parented impacts the identity we begin to describe for ourselves about who we are and who our co-parent will be. So you kind of have to look at that and decide who do I want to be and how do I want to show up in the world. Time takes on a completely different meaning for you. Sleep-wake cycles are interrupted at least for the first 12 months of the baby's life and sometimes 18 months and for some really difficult kids, 24 and 36 months. But most kids, by about 12 months, they've settled everything out. And many kids, by six months, they've settled things out. But time takes on a different meaning. 
children run by their own clock, not by your clock. And so you have to adapt and accommodate them until they come onto the same rhythm that you're in. Also, for kids, tomorrow is forever. And for you, it's like no time at all. You know, I'm pushing up on 60, and so a month is no time at all. It's amazing to me that we're already in April and heading for May in 2020. That's just stunning to me. And yet for a 14-year-old, it's going on forever and ever. The quarantine is forever. Things are forever. You take my phone away for a week and I'll never have it the rest of my whole life. And parents and children need to, to reconcile that difference of the perception of time. And one of the easiest ways to, to figure that out is think about time as proportion to the life you've already lived. And that gives you an example of how older folks see time because it's a much smaller percentage of their life. And children, it's a much larger percentage of their life. And that gives you kind of a, a rule of thumb for understanding that. You know, couples that were in very egalitarian roles, sharing all kinds of tasks around the house and challenges, that kind of stuff, often find themselves shifting into much more traditional roles. And again, this is true in, in same-sex marriages as well as in heterosexual marriages. One person takes on the mothering, quote-unquote, role, and one person takes on the fathering, quote-unquote, role. Is that good or bad? No, it, there's not a good or bad to that. There's a conscious or unconscious. There's an effective or not effective, but not necessarily a good or bad. Nonetheless, the change can be very disconcerting, particularly if an egalitarian relationship was an important value in your life. Why do you think that shift happens? I mean, it, I don't see any reason. Well, I can see, I can think of a few reasons that would have to happen physically, but, but why, why does that change happen? So unconscious processes, no matter how much we want to structure our lives, society around us, and all of the unconscious pressures about what, what roles are, occur for us, no matter how hard we push back against them. So we have this huge unconscious burden that will get in the way. And when you're just trying to get things done and you're sleep deprived and, you know, the next emergency is happening, it's easy to fall back into not thoughtful, preconceived sets of behaviors. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So it's not a conscious choice, nor is it a choice that is imposed by one person or another. It's often an unconscious choice. <laughs> it's, it's a choice that's happening from pressure, pressure from all of the, the challenges that happen when you have a kid. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the other big change that happens is changes in physical intimacy between the couple. Often, men really have no idea what it's like to, to give birth or what it feels like for your body to have to make all of the changes to carry the child to that point. Child's born, there's breastfeeding, there's all of the challenges with sleep and the rest of that stuff. And it becomes difficult sometimes for some couples to have touch with one another when moms are often like, I've been touched all day long by something and I don't want to be touched anymore. <laughs> And there's this divide that happens. So all of those things, plus fathers often having less experience with children, feeling excluded for the first six months, can create challenges in the relationship and with raising a child. So with all of those challenges, why would somebody want to have a kid? I mean, it kind of makes it sound all negative. So the reason they would want to have a kid is so that they can grow up and do a podcast with them. 
That's a terrible reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of pressure on the kids. I guess the real question is how, as a couple, should you handle all of those challenges? Like sleep deprivation, I mean, that's a huge thing. Sleep deprivation is one of my personal biggest concerns about the idea of having a child. And that's come up a lot in conversation with Sarah. You know, it's interesting, like you said, men really can't experience pregnancy or birth or any of that. Most of the physical challenges of child rearing are the burden of women. And the only physical challenge that really, really concerns me for myself, most of my concerns are for Sarah and her having to undergo those things. But the one that really gets to me is sleep deprivation. And that's for two reasons. One is that I really don't do well on little sleep. And the other is that I have epilepsy and stress and sleep deprivation are the two biggest triggers for seizures in my case. And I just can't imagine how awful it would be, not just for me, but for Sarah, if we like had a child and like I go and have a seizure, like that would be terrible. (laughs) So that comes up a lot. But anyway, with all of these challenges, what are some ways for couples to handle those and, and get through it together? Well, Ben, you're lucky because your baby would have an aunt right down the street who could help out as needed to. Just saying. That's true. We have a very good support structure in place. But as far as couples kind of handling all of these things, it's important to make sure that the marital relationship, the couple relationship is coming first. Y'all are a team. And without that team dynamic of raising this child, that child's going to notice. So doing small things often, you know, if your partner is the one feeding the the baby at that moment, maybe make a snack for your partner so they have something to eat too. If your partner likes foot massages, do that. Just these small things that rekindle and reconnect y'all. Having conversations about what's helpful for them. It's stressful for everybody in that situation and having a conversation about how can I help you? How can I support you as we make these transitions in our life? I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, but Dr. Gottman has the concept of love maps, which is creating an understanding of what fuels your partner and what is important or not important to them. And this is a time where that needs to be updated. This stuff changes and this is a huge transition. So making sure that you're on the same page with these are things that you like, these are things that you don't like. It's possible that your partner gives birth and no longer likes coffee and like the smell of coffee is atrocious to them. And so then you learn like, okay, I can't make coffee in the house anymore. Going to have to figure that one out. But these are all changes that happen and learning them through conversation is one of the most important things here is checking in and confiding with them about like, hey, this is a change I've experienced and I'm really struggling with this. I, you know, the coffee example, I need you to not make coffee at home. Um, We need to budget so that you can go get coffee somewhere else. And then also learning about the developmental expectations of your children. Uh, This is fun to do, well, In my opinion, it's fun, but I like researching these things and I like childhood development. So, I mean, that's that. But, I mean, you have nine months prior to your child being born 
And if you're doing adoption, you have the whole process of adoption to look at and learn about what it is you can expect as you watch your child grow. What does walking look like? What is tummy time? And all of the cool things that come with having a a child. Netflix put together a really cool TV program. Uh, It's called Babies. And it shows a lot of really different cultures on how they raise kids and the different meaning of child rearing across cultures. That's all like the fun stuff that you get to learn and experience and grow. And I know Papa's going to have a ton of stuff to say because he got to watch us learn and grow and all of that stuff. But being conscious with each other that you're a team as you learn, grow and expand your family. Well done. All really good stuff. And be flexible with one another because you won't do things the same way. You won't hold the baby the same way. You won't feed the baby the same way. You won't change the baby the same way. And different doesn't mean bad. Different is just different. So be flexible. Be kind. The other key thing, when you bring a child home, make sure that you create time for the couple to remember who they are and that, they're, that they are together. Uh, again, you know, if you harken back to one of the earlier episodes, before you take care of your children, you need to take care of your relationship because that's the best gift that you can give your kids. And that requires time and setting aside time for the two of you. When you are thinking of yourself and your partner as a team raising the baby, does that ever become adversarial for couples where yeah, you have your team, but now you're against the baby. Have you ever <laughs> felt like that causes problems? Yes. I mean, there's always there's always the, the triangles that can happen whenever there are more than two people in a relationship. So, yes, you can have a child who really wants to do a thing or be engaged in a thing. And both parents are like, no, we can't do that. And now we have a fight between the kid and the parents. It can be, you know, I want to become a professional video game player or I want to, I want to own a horse. Do you know how expensive horses are? That's, that's amazing. I bet they are. Do you think they're more or less expensive than boats? More because you have to um, keep feeding a horse and they are hungry. Right. Yeah. You only have to put gas in a boat when you're going to drive it, but you have to feed a horse every day. And then you have I to clean horses up. horses live for a pretty long time too. They do. And stable costs are expensive, you know, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Anyway, we're parents. But they're, you know, (laughs) this is just an example of a a thing that a kid is really into. And then the parents going sideways on this or the kid has particular talents. They could be an equestrian competitor. They could be a a professional or the potential for an Olympic uh, swimmer or, you know, a baseball player or football player or basketball player all of which will require extra training, extra time, extra money, extra effort. And you might have one parent that says, yes, I want to develop my child however they want. And the other parent going, wait, wait, wait. You know, we have other kids and we have the rest of our lives. How do we do this? And the kid could be pressing for, I really want to be a professional, whatever. So this creates a triangle. The key thing is to step back from all of that and really listen to one another and what are the needs that are being represented so that you can find a solution through that that attends to as many of the needs as is possible. That only happens when you're willing to be influenced. 
That's the hardest part of this. If you want to influence others, first, allow yourself to be influenced by others. We've really only just covered the infancy of this subject, but today we talked about having the conscious discussion to have or not have children, the identity change and other changes that come along with bringing a child into your life and your relationship, and some ways to handle those challenges with your partner. As always, we're sure some of you have questions, so please feel free to write us at questions at afpsych.com. If you like this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and review on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavitofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.